Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. Olanle williams Ali, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. I am so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. This is going to be a great conversation. You and I are very much on the same page, passionate about similar things. Uh, and so this will be this will be a fun conversation. Let me introduce you to anybody who may not know who you are. Bolanle Williams Ali is the financial chief financial officer at Mancini Duffy, a technology first design firm where she oversees the firm's financial and operational performance. With a strong background in financial analysis and strategic initiatives, Bola thrives on building relationships between finance and management teams to ensure the overall financial success of projects and her firm. She holds a master's in education and social policy from NYU, a master's in applied mathematics, and a bachelor's in mathematics from City University of New York Hunter College. And she is passionate about serving others. And she's the founder of Impact Organizations. She builds money, she builds waves, she builds lives and reach Nigeria. But Lonely, this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm, it's great to have you here. Thanks for joining us here at Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you so much. And thanks for the kind introduction. You're welcome. I'd love to learn more about you. I want to know more about your origin story. Where did this all start? What, where, sort of where, when did you discover your passion for what you do today? 
uh, what and, and who may inspired you to do that. Share share your journey to where you are today. Yeah, definitely. So my journey, I guess, into the you know architecture interior design industry was um, almost by chance, but not really. We'll find out. <laughs> Um, I am originally from Nigeria, moved to the U.S. uh, probably around age 17 to go to college. International student, I studied math, as you had said, and towards the end, um, close to graduation, I needed to find a job anywhere that would um, hire me. You know, it's very, interestingly, it's very um, difficult when you study math communicating your skill sets and values to people if they don't really understand, oh, what is this applied math thing that you did? Anyways, I ended up finding a position uh, for a junior project um, accountant at an architectural firm. And here is this serendipitous part of my story. Back in high school, I had taken one term of technical drawing, and that was my connection. <laughs> that so literally Yeah, that literally was my connection to this job posting that I found, um, you know, New York Times classified. It was like, oh, you took I took technical drawing. This could be very interesting working in this um, industry. I applied, ended up getting the job. Um, This was back in 2007. And I have literally worked my way up (laughs) in the industry, learning the ins and outs of project accounting, how projects work working on incredible projects. I'm also proud to say, you know, just because I was the accountant doesn't mean I didn't have a hand in the projects that sure. I've done. So significant was, hand you know, in it. Significant hand. So, you know, I worked on the World Trade Center, United Nations, beautiful projects. Um, and so, yes, that's how I ended up in here. Um, I will so, say- so, so were you, you were with Mancini Duffy from the beginning, that that ad that you, that you replied to mm-hmm. was Mancini? No. So the okay, ad I replied to was HLW International um, New York also. Uh, so I worked at HLW was really where I got my foundation. Um, so I would say the one mentor that I had that really grew me there was the CFO, who I think is still the CFO now um, at HLW. So 2007, of course, we know 2008, the crash happened. Um but what that did was it created opportunity for me to even grow past the role that I was doing, right? So unfortunately, some uh, co-workers, you know, lost their jobs, but then that gave me room to grow. So I, I walked to the CFO's office and I said, I think I'm ready to drop the junior project <laughs> and, be, and become project accountant, um, as well as, you know, learn really um, analysis, right? financial analysis, revenue recognition, all these dry financial terms, depending on your, your audience. You know, I, I, there was an opportunity for, for me to really pick up a new skill sets, learn really a lot about the, the industry and how things worked. And so I spent five years at HLW um, getting my foundation. However, because, you know, I didn't study accounting in, in college, um, I really want, and I'd only seen project accounting done one way at HLW. I decided after five years that it was time for me to make a move, you know, move to a different firm, see how accounting is done there and just increase my knowledge, right? So after five years, I shifted over to Skidmore, Owens & Merrill. I became senior project accountant (laughs) at Skidmore, Owens & Merrill. I spent five years there. 
And the opportunity um, at Mancini opened up for me uh, in 2017. And so I got a call saying, oh, would you like to come over and, you know, run the finance department of, of, of MD? But the president happened to be an old coworker from HLW, right? So when I was at HLW, um, Christian, our, our president now, was the director of architecture. We didn't have that much interaction, but some way, somehow, 10 years passes and my name comes up in a conversation, right? And so um, I, I take the call, joined Mancini in 2017 as controller. In 2018, I became chief financial officer, and I'm really proud to say 2019, I bought into the firm. So myself, Christian, um, we have three other partners, uh, currently own Mancini. It's it's an incredible journey story. Very short. If we wanted to stay on this only on the uh -huh. call, we could talk for 30 minutes or more, you know, but it's I'm blessed. I'm really blessed to be where I am right now. What a story. That's amazing to to sort of just come out of, you know, uh, college and, and work your way up through the profession, find your way into the profession uh, just sort of by happenstance, just because you took that class in high school and then um, and now you're yes. you're not only running Mancini Duffy, you part owner of Mancini Duffy. Yes, yes, yes. And, um, you know, Mancini is a hundred plus year old firm. And because of, you know, certain things that happened in formation a hundred years ago, that's what has allowed me the opportunity to buy because I'm not an architect. Right. And so I so it's it's. Again, serendipitous in my story that something that happened a hundred years ago has now <laughs> manifested to allowing this, you know, Nigerian girl who moved here X amount of years to now um, own part of an incredible firm, incredible legacy too. So I'm excited. Yeah, I, it's interesting. I, I it's just exciting for me to talk to you because you've you've been uh, working in in large firms, some very very large firms. SOM is a massive firm. Um, I'd yes. love to talk a little bit about um, the difference between larger firms and small firms. Small firms clearly don't have in-house accounting staff. They don't have project accountants. Uh, they don't have CFOs. Um, let's talk a little bit about how larger firms work so, so we understand that. Because I think one of the reasons why large firms are successful is because they do have dedicated people who do those jobs. They have marketing departments and financial departments and things like that. And so how, how are larger firms structured? Uh, you know, it just, just, and how are they different from small firms? Yeah. So uh, just as you said, I've, I think starting HLW, which was a large firm moving to SOMA, much larger firm. I, I, I moved from being a, a large fish in a small pond to a small fish in a larger pond, right? And then now at Mancini, it's, I guess, more of an alignment for me. Smaller firm, revenue size is great, but I've seen a gamut of experiences, a gamut of how you can have impact from the different size firms that I've worked. And so, you know, at a large firm, I think, you know, my experience for me at SOM, for example, learned so much more because of how structured these departments were because I had um, multiple accountants that I could learn from, um, multiple project managers, partners that you could you could 
learn about the projects and really work with and be success and make sure that those projects are successful. I think um, my time there was great, but being in a smaller firm, I've been able to have more impact, right? I've been able to, my voice, <laughs> at Mancini, or even at HLD, my voice uh, particularly was, you know, being heard more. I, I have a seat now at, at the table. My opinions, my ideas, my strategic initiatives are valued <laughs> a lot here at um, uh, a smaller firm. It's almost easier for me to push the needle. So while my experience there gave me the rigidity, the structure, um, the, the experience that, that I could now take from a large firm to bring to um, any, um, it's allowed me to exponentially take five, um, the financial department here to places that we begin to imagine before I got here, right? So the, we, I have project accountants here because I know the importance of having a project accountant, a dedicated project accountant um, working on the projects. It might not be eight, you know, if groom one, two, three, and they're able to really partner with the project managers to ensure that the projects are successful, Things are running much smoother. I mean, currently now in the pandemic, but my team has just been on the go, right? Because there are lots of things that they're able to keep up with, still work with the project managers, still make sure that they're on top of their billings, collections, all these things that make sure that a company can float and run smoothly um, during different, um, you know, during different seasons. It's for me, that's the big difference. It's taking that structure and bringing it here, and then it just allows you exponentially grow and see see changes that you might never you might never have if you haven't in, if you hadn't invested in that in a small firm. It and Mancini's not really a large firm. How how many people are in uh, employed at Mancini? Yeah, so currently now we are around fifty five. Yeah, so that's small. Yeah, small firm. But we, we are working on small firm in, in um, employee size, but not in uh, project size. Right, right. So you're competing with larger yeah. firms, um, and it's yes. and it's yes, not it's not um, that common to have a full financial department in a firm that size, right? Yeah, no, no. So it's not common, right? What you end up having is a hybrid, uh, a hybrid type role where. Like, you know, for example, myself, I'm not just solely dedicated on um, accounting and finance, you know, HR, IT, those things fall under my role. So it's, you build almost like a hybrid role um, within this um, accounting slash HR group, right? The, the, my accountants and like, you know, the accounts payables and project accountants, they are focused solely on that. But for example, myself and the, my accounting manager who really is an accounting manager, operations, it, it's a hybrid role, right? So it even gives us greater opportunity to have um, impact within the firm or to touch on more areas that we might not necessarily have had exposure to at a larger firm. It's, you know, you're the CFO and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And you're listening. I mean, you're talking to an audience of small firm architects. That's who listens to this podcast. So what are some of the things that that you've learned in, in those larger firms that you've brought to Mancini that's made a difference that some of our listeners may be able to understand and be able to apply to their firms to make their firms more successful? Of course. So from a financial perspective, I think um, one of the things that I've learned, I learned at both HLW and SOM that's really helping me now is 
you know, having financial rhythms, right? And what I mean by that is, break it down. How often are you looking at your accounts receivable, right? Sometimes in small firms, what I, I notice that happens is, you get a bill, you know, maybe you do have a client that pays you right on time, but a lot of times your bills might be tied to a larger firms. You know, maybe you're a sub-consultant on a larger project, or you don't have direct relationship with a consultant. Well, how often are you following up on that bill? Or how often are you reviewing your accounts receivable? Are you making sure you're collecting according to your payment terms, right? These are the things that you set in your proposals and gives you agency to be able to, to reach out to your clients or, you know, your customer to ask for um, your AR. And so it's that rhythm, you know, like deciding what rhythm that you're going to have when it comes to reviewing your numbers, um, reviewing, reviewing the different different areas or different aspects in your business and making sure you stick to it. That's how it works. Looking at it on a small scale consistently, and you will notice that um, your clients begin to honor that, right? Because they're expecting, <laughs> they're expecting that email day, you know, maybe you're, for ex we'll give an example, maybe your payment terms is 30 days. Well, day 29, you're saying, hey, Mark, I just wanted to to check on my invoice, right? And so you're setting the standard on how your clients uh, should relate with you. And so that's that's that for me is something that I learned that I brought here. Um, and it's, it's consistently, and the numbers show it, it's, it has improved our collections terms. It has improved our days outstanding. So I'm using that as one example, but there are different having that foundation and putting rhythms into your business is such a, a, a game changer to seeing things improve for you. Yeah. It's, it's about setting expectations. Again, we talk about that a lot in all different topics. When we are talking here at Entree Architect podcast, that keeps coming up, setting expectations with your clients in order for them to uh, establish, this is the way we do it here. And we're here yes. again, talking financial management, talking about collections it's you are setting an, ex an example of how you expect your client to uh, treat you. And if you allow them to go 60 days, 90 days on a 30-day payment, then that's what they're going to expect. They expect that they can take 60, 90 days to pay you. If you show up on day 29 and say, hey, tomorrow it's due, are you going to pay me? Then they are like, oh, yeah. this is the way this works. Yeah, and it, it just gets you back on their radar, right? It just puts you on the forefront of their minds. I always say, you know, it, when you read the bio, I think I talked about, you know, the importance of building that relationship between the finance and management right. teams. It's the same. I, I, I treat it the same for my staff. I, people pay people. <laughs> you know, when you send out your invoice, and I, I, I keep using the invoice as an example because, yeah. <laughs> again, we're talking money. That's my area and expertise. but you know, your in-house accountant, if you have one, or if you're wearing your CFO hat at, at that moment, with the person who is cutting your check, um, and you'll notice that you become, you know, once you build that rapport, build that relationship with them, you become on the forefront of their mind. One, if they're either going to pay you on time, two, they're going to schedule you. If they weren't meant to pay you, you've given them that reminder, you know, like, so much that can come out of that. Or three, maybe they didn't get your invoice. Well, if you never checked in, how would you know that they never received it? Right? right. So it's just about building that communication and rapport, and you will definitely see improvements. 
Let's take a break to thank our sponsors for their support of this episode. What if you could visualize your building in a couple of clicks, remove months from the design process, or create a bridge between stakeholders to solve problems before they even come up? Our friends at Twinmotion offer simple, real-time visualization for architects. Their technology lets you view and edit your scene on the go in the same pixel-perfect quality as the final rendering. Twinmotion seamlessly integrates with other tools like SketchUp and Revit, transforming your BIM or CAD models into high-quality images, panoramas, VR videos, or presentations. Sound complicated? Well, what if I told you that Twinmotion enables anyone to present the biggest ideas in the easiest way possible, regardless of previous CG experience? To download your exclusive free trial, head to twinmotion.link slash entrearchitect. That's twinmotion.link slash entrearchitect. BIM can be important for your next project, but it's not the only thing you need for your next project. That's why it's important that 95% of manufacturers who offer free BIM files on RCAT also offer another type of data or information that your project may need. That means 95% of the products with BIM also have CAD files, are in a specification, in a patented spec wizard, or may have product information to help you make the right selection. So stop going to a site with just BIM and go to RCAT.com to get everything you need for your next project for free and without registering. No cost, no credit card, no email, it's free. That's rcat.com, A-R-C-A-T.com. When building a business you're passionate about, it's easy to feel like there aren't enough hours in the day. And if you're doing all the invoicing and accounting on your own, you're probably spending time on work you don't love. FreshBooks is built for business owners like us. It's the all-in-one accounting software that saves entrepreneurs and freelancers up to 11 hours a week. That's 11 hours that you could spend nailing a client pitch, designing your next project, or building your business as an architect. From preparing, sending, and following up on invoices, to tracking and managing expenses, to processing online payments, FreshBooks automates and simplifies all the tough and annoying parts of running your own business. So try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. No credit card required. Go to entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks and enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section and get more time back to build the business you love. That's entrearchitect.com slash FreshBooks. Monograph is building a community of like-minded firm owners and operations leaders who are looking for solutions that align with their firm's values. On top of that, Monograph is building the only cloud-based practice operations software built exclusively for architects by architects. Monograph's easy-to-use and beautifully designed software allows you and your team to know in near real time whether you're on pace to deliver a project on budget. With Monograph, you and your team can plan project schedules, budgets, role assignments, and manage team members all in one place. The best part of Monograph, it doesn't require a degree in finance to use it. To experience the difference today, sign up for a free trial at monograph.com. And to underscore their commitment, on August 12th, Monograph will be hosting their first ever virtual conference. It's called Section Cut. This one-day event brings firm owners, 
operations leaders, and project leaders together to learn from success stories and workshops, all with the goal of improving their businesses. Reserve a seat at Section Cut today by visiting sectioncut.com. Please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. One of the pushbacks I get when I talk about this is, is um, I don't have time, right? I'm a small firm architect. I'm doing all these jobs. I'm trying to be an architect, trying to do marketing, trying to keep my staff happy, trying to keep my clients happy, right? The invoices are out there, but how do I, you talk about this rhythm, how do I establish this rhythm? Do you have any sort of suggestions on tools or resources that we can use to do that? Yeah, so now that you say that, <laughs> I do have She Builds Money, which is, um, you know, I provide financial tools and resources for small design firms. And one of the tools that, one of the resources, sorry, that I just recently created is a finance task at a glance. For you to be able to put yourself on a rhythm, you need to know what am I supposed to do daily? What should I do weekly? What should I do monthly? What do I need to do annually? If you don't know these things, that's when you feel like you cannot find time to do it. Again, if you, you know, one of my favorite quotes is if you, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. All you need to do is either say, I am going to have a finance meeting with myself every Friday for 30 minutes, actually schedule it and go through the task on the finance at, <laughs> finance at a glance task. Like, what do I need to do um, from a financial perspective this week? Do I need to look at my collections? Do I need to look at um, do I need to look at what I need to pay? Right. So while people are paying you, you also have vendors you need to pay. If you don't put yourself in, in, in this rhythm or actually schedule it in your calendar, then you're always going to feel overwhelmed. You're always going to feel like you don't have time and that you always need to catch up, right? So I find that um, you are more successful just, just it, it, again, it goes down to habits, right? We're people and then the habits we have personally can sometimes spill to our business. If you fix that habit and just build that, um, build it little by little into your business, you'll find that it's not as overwhelming. You will even get through the task faster. That 30 minute meeting that you had set with yourself every week might go down to 15 minutes. And you're like, okay, I'm done. I've checked on my collections, check. I've paid who I need to pay. I know where my cash is. I'm all good. You, you feel you're more in control. Right. When you when you do do things on a rhythm, when you when you plan, when you fix the habit, then just doing it haphazardly. So that resource helps us set that rhythm. Talks about how to how to do that. Yes, yeah. So the resource um, tells you what you need to um, check daily. It will tell you what you need to do from a financial perspective every week. This, these are the things you need to do, and you can actually check it off, right? So you again, the first step, and I always say this: set that meeting with yourself might seem redundant, but having that, um, you know, having that knowledge is so important and will allow you sleep well at night, right. knowing that you've taken care of that, those tasks. The one area where you don't want to not know what's going on is in your finances. And you've also built a tool for us small firm architects, right? A cash flow tool. So talk about that a little bit. What, what is that and how does that work? Yeah, so um, again, you know, we're, we're living in this interesting times. Um, 
at the start of the pandemic, a lot of small firms, large firms, everybody essentially in business, you know, we went, everybody was pretty much hurt. And the one area where we we all suffered was from a cash flow, um, from a cash perspective. And prior to that, I'd really been thinking about a tool, like what is one thing, if I were to, to create a tool for small, small businesses, what is one tool that I could create that can answer a pain point um, that we all suffer and all go through? And, and so with the pandemic happening, that spearheaded or the light bulb went off in my head where I thought that I could create a cash flow tool that will be, keep it so simple, kiss. Yep. Tell me exactly, you know, walk me through a roadmap of how I can, one, understand cash flow forecasting, what that goes with understanding what you are owed and you owe. If you don't understand those things, then you're not able to build a cash flow forecast. And then after you build a cash flow forecast, how do you then start tracking the actual cash that's coming into your business? So this tool I created, um, again, it's an Excel tool, but very valuable because it's empowering you to be your own, you know, CFO. Again, I, I keep thinking is, you know, you're wearing your CFO hat right. at that right. moment, but it will tell you what you need to do every week um, when it comes to, again, the things that I walked you through. It will tell you how you need to manage your cash at the end of the month. There's a cash flow summary that will, you know, give you four prompts so that you understand where you are from a cash position. At the end of the day, we all want to know one, are we okay? From a cash perspective, am I okay? The second thing is, okay, well, if I'm okay, what decisions can I, can I pay my bills for the next month? Am I in a good enough standing that I can take care of one month, two months, three months out, whatever your business goals are? And then if you can do that, what business decisions can I make from a cash perspective? So as a small business, you might need to hire an additional, um, you might want to hire one person. Well, how can you make that decision if you don't know if you can afford them? Or maybe you need to upgrade your tech, right? So these are not like big issues, but, you know, maybe if you work at a larger firm, but for a small firm, these are big decisions, right? Can I afford to make these um, these changes in my business that will help ease my, my workflow? Um, can I afford to make those decisions? And without being and understanding your cash positions, you can't, you will essentially be making it blindly. So this, so this tool that you can, you know, you can find on um, shebuildsmoney.com will help walk you through this process. It tells you everything. It takes out the guesswork and it tells you everything you need to do. And once you set it up once, you can run it for the life of your business. I'm so inspired by you. By by what by what you're you've done here because you this isn't the first time you've done this this you you you're you're running Mancini Duffy you're part owner with Mancini Duffy I'm assuming that you're you're financially fine you don't need to build this kind of stuff right so this is not about making a bunch of money for you um, you've built shebuildsmoney.com you have she builds waves she builds lives and reach Nigeria you're clearly uh, passionate about serving others. Yes. Uh, what what was I, I want to talk about that a little bit. What's what was specifically for She Builds Money? What was your inspiration for doing this? Because you don't have to do this. This is something that you want to do. Why why build this tool for small firm architects? I mean, like you like you said, um, it just comes from 
a I guess deep down inside, um, I just have a, a a serving attitude or serving people and having impact and seeing change, knowing, right? I know like when I when I implement certain um, uh, rhythms or certain, when I make a slight change, I know exponentially what that difference can be. And so for me, like you said, yes, I might, I don't have to do this, but I can help and make a dent into the what's the number eighty two percent of people eighty two percent of businesses that could go out of business in five years if they don't have you know enough cash on hand. If I can make a slight dent in our industry, why not? Right? Why not? Um, why not create this tool that can that can really empower firms? So it's just within me, but. Um, I'm, I'm I'm all about impact. I'm all about serving. I'm all about growing community. So let's all rise together. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So where does that come from? Where where does that that spirit, that passion to to help others come from? Is it just sort of who you are, or is it? Yeah. So, does it come so, from? Go ahead. Yeah. So I think it's one. It's sort of who I am, but two. I think um, my mother played sort of influence. Um, because growing up, my mom would help anyone and everyone. She would be talking to anyone and everyone. I almost didn't want her to talk to her. I'm like, can we just can we just go from point A to point B without you trying to help someone? And I feel <laughs> like, you know, I, I did a lot of reflection around this. And I feel like she did not, you know, sit me down and say, you need to serve people. Mm -hmm. But by watching her actions, I feel like that just sort of built into my DNA. And she will almost tell you that I'm like times a hundred of her, <laughs> right? Different times, different seasons, especially with the internet and, you know, social media being, being the ability to reach for, for you to have a wider reach um, has, has just exponentially grown how I can, I can connect more with people. So yes, my mom and then two, I'm just, it's just, my husband says I'm one of one. <laughs> <laughs> I bet your mom and your husband, but specifically your mom, I bet your mom is very proud of you. I hope so. I think she is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you, uh, you, are, I mean, it's amazing to, to hear your story and to see the position you're in. Um, but the fact that you're at that position and now you're also finding, continuing to find ways uh, to serve others and to make, you know, others' lives better, um, it's, uh, it's, it's something to be very proud of. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. And I, I, just really add on, I mean, I think you will see it in the, the three different She Builds movements, right? It's all about um, giving back, right? So she builds money. I'm at a position. I'm like, how can I help small firms just run their businesses better? With She Builds Waves, it's how can I help women in the industry um, take charge, take agency of their careers and just really make waves? With She Builds Lives is how can I help children, children from low-income communities have access to resources, opportunities, um, that can give them a fighting chance in this, you know, world that is not particularly built to, to allow them uh, succeed out of the environment, right, that they're in. Yeah. So 
that that's always the aspect. I call myself a serial solution seeker, right? I'm always looking for ways to provide solutions for the, you know, all the different sectors or facts that I've mentioned. Is there a website for each one of those platforms? Yes, yes. So um, She Builds Money is www.shebuildsmoney.com. She Builds Waves is shebuildswaves.com. And She Builds Lives is shebuildslives.org. Okay, shebuildslives.org. We'll have links to all of that uh, on the show notes. And I'd love to come back and talk about some of those other things if you'd like to. Um, of course. I'd, I'd love to, to share more about She Builds Waves and She Builds Lives. Um, before we wrap up, Bola, I'd like to ask you, what's one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? Be best friends with your numbers. <laughs> there, <laughs> there is so much power um, when you understand how your business is performing from a numbers perspective. <clears throat> it informs um or you might know it or not, but it informs a lot of decisions or things that are happening in the project. So become very close with your numbers and you'll see your business grow. Yeah. And you'll like being an architect a lot more. You will like being an architect right? you'll, a whole you'll lot a, more. You'll be a happy architect if your financial yeah. management is figured out and you're comfortable with it and you understand it and, and you have it managed. Uh, you'll yeah. be able to do, have a greater impact in the world by, yeah. by running a better business. Her name is Bolanle Williams Ali. You can learn more about um, Bola and Mancini Duffy at mancini-duffy.com. Uh, you can learn more about She Builds Money and find the cash flow tool uh, and a bunch of other free resources at shebuildsmoney.com. I highly recommend that you go check it out. It's a beautiful website, um, shebuildsmoney.com. Uh, Bolanle, thank you. Thank you for coming here, sharing your story. Uh, I thank you for your service to the profession. Uh, it is much needed and it's appreciated. So thank you for sharing your knowledge here today at Entree Architect Podcast. Oh, you are most welcome. Thank you for having me. If you like this episode of Entree Architect Podcast, please share a rating, write a review, and share a link to this episode with a friend. Links to all the resources we discussed today are available at the show notes for this episode found at entrearchitect.com slash podcast. And thank you to RCAT, Studio Services Bookkeeping, FreshBooks, and Twinmotion for their support of this podcast. Entre Architect is proud to be a partner with the largest, most engaged AEC multimedia network on the planet, Gable Media. We're curating thought leadership for an audience dedicated to building a better world, Listen and subscribe to all the shows at GableMedia.com. That's G-A-B-L Media.com. And check out Entree Architect Academy membership, ready to edit business resources, live monthly training for architects, business training that is, a supportive architect community, yep, it's there, and Simple Systems, our new business system program developed for small firm entrepreneur architects just like you. It's in there for you at Entree Architect Academy. It's waiting for you right there at the membership. Come join me and hundreds of your entrepreneur architect friends. Visit entrearchitect.com slash join to enroll today. Be well, my friends. Be healthy, happy, safe, and secure. Thank you for listening today. Love, learn, and share what you know.
I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders, Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.